Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the Saga of Steve Rogers. My name is Tom, and I'm glad to have you here. If you're here for the first time, where have you been? This is episode 258. I've been doing this for a long time, so appreciate you being here. If you're here for the first time, take a look around. SagaofSteveRogers.com is the website where you can see the entire archive going back to episode zero. Um, and wherever you're listening, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, blah, 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 blah wherever podcasts are heard, uh, may not go back. It's not going to go back that far. So if you like the show, you may want to listen to previous episodes. Uh, you can search by topic at sagafsteverogers.com. You can search by the name of the person if you know somebody who's been interviewed. Periodically throughout interviews, I mentioned like, oh, I interviewed this person in the past. So here's something they said you made that may pique your curiosity. So there's a search engine there. You can check it out. Um, you can always email me at steve at sagafsteverogers.com. Uh, this is part two with Richard. Um, he is an inmate in a penitentiary, um, and he's in there for a long haul. He's uh, currently set to be in there for 40 years. Um, one of the things we're going to talk about, not in this episode, but in an upcoming episode, um, is his attempts to get his conviction overturned. It was overturned once and then reinstated, and we'll go deeper into that. It's not going to be this week, but um, this is a, a long, long-form interview, so if you love it, awesome. Um, it's a slow burn, but there's a lot of shit in here. I mean, I thought about you know, recording the entire thing a couple weeks over. Uh, we can only record at certain times, so I can only peel him off and talk to him for two-hour clips, actually hour clips, and he has to hang up and then call back. And So there's lots of restrictions around it. He's, his, his time is not his time. Other people tell him when he can do stuff, so we'll talk about that also. But So I, don't, I didn't want to just put it all out there at once. I was going to record it and then edit it down. I was like, there's too much good shit here. So I'm just going to do our clips and we'll see how long it goes. Uh, one of the things I say at the end of this is I'm interested in people's questions. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, I always wanted to talk to somebody who was in this kind of position, um, this situation, this career that he kind of chose or that chose him. Um, questions you want answered. So, uh, Steve at sagofsteverogers.com is a place to send them. Um, we're going to do a little Q&A at the end once we're done with his story. And um, there's a lot of a lot of meat on the bone here, as it were. So I don't want to rush this. I want to do it do it right. And I want to take time. So, um, as you're listening, feedback is a gift. People give me that gift, please. Uh, wherever you're listening, there's a way to leave me a review. So please review, tell me what you love, what you don't love. Um, if you don't want to do it in, in wherever you're listening, you can send me an email, Steve at side of Steve Rogers.com and t- tell me again, Hey, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. Stop, cr- stop coughing or you curse too much. Or you don't curse enough or Whatever it is. So feedback is a gift, and I appreciate gifts. Um, Speaking of gifts, this is a fan-supported website. So if you're enjoying the show, and if you're still listening, hopefully you are, um, you can support the show for the cost of a a big-ass size candy bar for $2, $4, $10, $25. You can go to patreon.com slash saga of Steve Rogers. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash patreon.com forward slash saga of Steve Rogers. And you can make a, a little contribution to keep the lights on here, keep the show going. I love doing this. It's therapy for me. Um, I get to talk to interesting people. 
I don't want to keep doing it. So the other thing is if there's somebody you're like, hey, I have a story and I think I'd be awesome in there. Or um, I know somebody who I think you should interview. They have an amazing story about X. Like my business card says, everybody has a story and I want to hear yours. And that's truly the way I feel. I feel gifted and, and blessed to be able to do this. Um, when I started out, it was just me talking to my kids and it was a shit ton of fun, but it's become more than that. I mean, I still talk to my kids every once in a while, but this is now me getting to meet people that have amazing stories that I never would have met otherwise, Richard being one of them. Um, and, and please thoughts, ideas, people holler at your boy, uh, without further ado, after four and a half minutes of ado, uh, here's my daughter introducing the show and then part two with Richard. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this podcast. My stepdad works really hard on this. If you are easily offended, don't waste your time. If you like to tell a friend, I can't believe I have to tell adults this basic stuff. Inmate at the South Dakota State Penitentiary. To accept this call, press zero. To refuse this call, hang up or press one. To prevent calls from this facility, press nine. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. Thank you for using GTL. Hello. Hey. All right, so you're at the lake. Right. Um, well, I moved. He called me back in the car, and I go to his house, and I end up moving in. He says, you, this is your room. You can stay here. You know what I mean? And it was all chill. Wow. So, yeah. So, this guy. So, he found out dad, you were living at the lake. Like, you were sleeping in a sleeping bag, and he asked you how long you had been right. there. And, like, you had to. Right. He didn't just go, well, hey. I didn't tell him. I never told him that I was living at the lake. Oh. <laughs> okay. But. He knew, he, he thought you were on the streets. Yes. Okay. And he, turns out, he's he's a mobster. Wow. For, for real, for real, for real mobster. <laughs> okay. Like, top of the chain. <laughs> and uh, that's what he does. He just He's a coke dealer. And he's well known, and he's 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 been to he he was uh, just right before right prior to that a couple few years prior to that uh, he had been sh- he had been robbed and shot and and, and uh, I don't know I don't I don't know how to explain it. I don't know the whole story but I know there was a, a a robbery and he got shot and there was a bunch of people that got killed and and then later on he ended up going to federal prison and he's out now. And he he may be dying, dead now, or he's like at that age. He's old, but yeah, he was he he's a real popster. Um, like they transported uh, coke from Colombia uh, to to Florida, and then heroin from San Francisco to Florida, and brought the coke back from Florida to San Francisco, and all that kind of stuff. So so he tells you this is would, this is your room. You're moving in. Right. 
And so I start seeing everything, you know what I mean, what goes on at nighttime when I wasn't supposed to be there before. <laughs> right. So I start seeing the whole the whole thing, and then uh, he would take me around, like at nighttime, he would fill up these envelopes with money, and he would give them to me, and we would get in his car, and we would drive, and we'd, we'd just cruise around, and he would be speeding and everything right by cops, and cops left him alone, and he would just be like hauling ass, and we'd stop at these real rich houses, and I would go up to the door, knock on the door, and hand him the envelope and get back in the car and we'd stop at different houses and I'd just go hand envelopes to these people and go back to the house. We did that. I did that for like a month. Every night I'd just go hand these envelopes out and he'd drive me around. And then he got ended up, uh, he ended up getting me a job and, uh, doing construction. And so I started doing construction and living there and everything was good and and everything and everything was good i wasn't doing drugs i wasn't you know i wasn't dealing or anything he did his own thing and then i got mixed up with some dude some uh some guy that he knew and he didn't like us he liked me hanging around with him and uh we we were with him one night me and uh his daughter were with him one night cruising around and uh he ended up robbing, doing an armed robbery at a gas station. And we didn't know it. Neither, neither me or her knew it. And we just know that we, we, when we leave the gas station, he's just hauling ass in his car. He's flying down the road. And I'm telling him, slow, the, slow down, slow down. You're driving crazy. And he wouldn't slow down. And by the time we get to his house behind this Kmart in, in, in Sacramento, uh, there was like, we were surrounded by cops and everything. And, uh, the problem was, is that before this happened, uh, this guy asked me um, if I could get him some bullets for this gun. And I had stolen some bullets from her dad. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So father takes you and his daughter to the movie, and then he figures out you're homeless, lets you live in his house. Probably, right. probably doing a couple of little dirty things with his daughter <laughs> that he didn't either know about or whatever. He has you working right. with him, helps you get a job, and then you're like, "I'm gonna, I see some bullets. I may need those bullets." You didn't have a gun, but you just took the bullets in case you may need them for later. I don't, I don't even remember how it ended up working out that way, but it was just like six bullets. You okay. know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like I thought he would ever miss them. Sure. And I ended up getting, I think, I think he asked me, Hey, can you, do you know, do you know any, where you, I don't know why the guy asked me for the bullets. He asked me for bullets for some reason and I got the bullets. And then, so we end up in this situation. Car surrounded by cops. cops are there. Right. Cops surrounded by cops and they're pulling us doing a felony stop where you drop the keys out the door and you each get out in the middle of the street and they run up with guns to your head and all this shit. And so they get, they take him, they get the, the guns in the money bag, the guns in this locked money bag. And, uh, and her wallet is in the locked money bag with the gun. Okay. And we got drugs in her wallet. There's drugs in her wallet. There's acid in her wallet. Okay. And, uh, so the cops 
they all separate us. We're all in different cars and they ask me my name, blah, blah, blah. And they find out who she is and they ask what we are. And I say, well, that's my girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. I live with her, her and her dad and blah, blah, blah. And they, and the cops just shook his head and said, uh, they took her to she, go meet her dad. I she guess can they, go. They, <laughs> well, they, they didn't say she could go. They, they took her and handed her off some, to some plain clothes and we're in Sacramento and they're in Folsom. So this is an hour drive between the, the residences. And so they met her dad on the highway at a rest area and handed off her daughter, her, his daughter to her, to him. And, and I'm assuming it was the feds that did this. And then the cop tells me that I got bigger problems than anything that happened there tonight dealing with the father. Because they all know who he is. Right. And they told me that my the best thing I could do is leave Sacramento and never come back. So I get done. I get I get out of the cop car. I call him up and I say, I mean, you need to talk. <laughs> right. Because he doesn't know nothing about the gun, the bullets, the drugs, nothing. So he says, take a taxi. And so I'm like, all right. So I drive a taxi an hour to his house. Hmm. And I get out. He pays, he pays for the taxi. I go in. And he says, uh, told, told me to go do the dishes, told me and her to go do the dishes and figure out our story. <laughs> okay. All right. So we go in and we're doing the dishes. And I'm telling her, I'm going to tell your dad about the drugs in your wallet and about the gun and the bullets and everything. And she says, no, you're not. He's going to kill you. And I'm like, well, I got to. You know what I mean? And she's like crying like, no, no, no. And so he, I tell him, you know, he comes back in. I said, I got something to tell you. And I tell him. And he just flips, flips out and slobbering at, the, slobbering at the mouth. And I remember him uh, having a gun in his hand. He didn't point it at me or anything, but he was like, like awfully pissed off. And he told me to go in the room and go to, he told me go to my room and go to sleep and don't come out. And I remember sleep, sitting in there all night long thinking he was going to come in and get me, but he never did. And then the next day he just tells me, uh, we're going to, I'm going to have you go down to the police station and get that stuff back. And once you get it back, I'm going to put you on a bus and you're going back. You're not having nothing to do with us anymore. I'm like, all right. So about six days go by. He says, you need to go to the police station and ask for her property. So I go to the police station and I ask for her property and I get the bullets. The gun's not there. I get the bullets and her wallet and the drugs and the drugs are out of her wallet. So they knew you could tell that they knew what it was and it was out of her wallet and just sitting there like, And I get everything back, and I get on a bus and leave. Wow. That's fucking unbelievable. That's just <laughs> nuts, man. Yep. So what was it like during those six days when you, she's like, he's going to kill you if you tell him this, and then you're just waiting for, he's like, you know, you're going to go get her stuff. But then six days go by where he's not taking you to get the stuff. You're wondering, like, is this the day something really bad going to happen? Or what were you thinking? No, 
me and her are in love. We don't want to, I don't want to leave and she don't want me to leave. And she, we're talking about when I leave, she's going to come with me. <laughs> At this point, she's how old? She's, she's 16. She's about well, at this point. She's almost seventeen. She's almost seventeen. I'm eighteen. Okay. Almost. I'm eighteen. Almost nineteen. So he takes you to the bus station, and you go where? Uh shoot. I go to the bus. I well, I go. I'll go back to Yuma. I come back to Yuma, and then she follows. <laughs> She, she ends up coming down there too. She ends up getting a ride from a couple of her friends to go and goes to Yuma. Okay. A few months later, and she's living with me and my my mom and my stepdad and my stepbrothers and everything. We're all living. She's living with us. How long was that? Well, a few months. A few months. Then her her dad came down and picked her up. And then took her to uh, L.A. to live with her uncle. And, and he, then he just showed up, or like, did she call well, him and he say? Called, like, he called. He called and said that he's coming to get her, and, and that. And he just, she just did. He just came. He just came and got her. Okay. And so then he, he, she went to live with her uncle and then I followed there. So now I'm living with the uncle and her and I'm selling weed. For the uncle? Yes. Okay. For the uncle, for, well, for the uncle's friend. Okay. And I, and so I'm running around LA Promona, well, not Promona, but uh, El Rio, Camar Camarillo. I'm running around Camarillo in a Mexican neighborhood, a gang everywhere, and I'm a little white boy, and I'm running around with bags of weed and, and selling it. Telling them that your name's Tony Hernandez. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going by Richard. Still, but yeah, and then I get I get robbed. I get robbed at at, uh, uh, at gunpoint. And by, by by a bunch of Mexicans, they say, "Hey, this, you know, I walk by and they're all standing out in the driveway and stuff." And they're like, "Like, you want to buy some weed?" And they're like, "Yeah, come back here." <laughs> so we went back in the backyard and they robbed me. So, what? The, how much did they take? I, got, well, I only got just like an ounce, okay. just like an ounce of weed. But I had a pound, so I went back and. Instead of just telling the the uncle and everything that hey I got robbed for an ounce, I ended up saying I got robbed for the whole thing. <laughs> Always working the grift, weren't you? Always. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so then he goes, he takes me, and he takes me over there, and he pulls up, and he calls him up to the car, and he's like. You guys, you guys know him, and blah blah. And you robbed, robbed him, blah blah blah. And he starts yelling at him, and he says, "You know who I am, and this is who I am." And they're like, "Oh my God, we didn't know." 
because he was somebody, you know what I mean? And they knew who he was. They didn't know that I was under him. So they're all like apologizing and stuff. And he basically punks them all out. <laughs> and, uh, they tell him if if you see him around, you, you do whatever he, you know, you help him out. He's like, he, he's with me. You know what I mean? You treat him like me. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. So then after that, I got all kinds of respect from from all of them, and, and I never had no more problems or anything like that. Yeah, but he thought but, that they took a pound, and they're coming back with a little bag going, here's what we took. Well, no, they didn't. He didn't, he didn't even ask him how much they took. He didn't even ask him for it back. He didn't even ask him for it back. Okay. He didn't even ask him for it back. I don't. He just. He just didn't. He just wanted them to know, like, this is now your part of this this job. So much. This guy, and I wasn't really working for him. I think I was just like a kid, like his kid, because he had he had so much weed that it wasn't even funny. I mean, the family and shit to him. You know. Yeah. So then, what happened? Uh, I was there for a few months, and then she goes back to Sacramento, and I go back to Arizona. So hold on. I just want to make sure that – so to this point, since you became um, 18, the only interaction you had with the police was when you got pulled over because that guy robbed the store – and you were let go at the side of the road. So you haven't had any kind of, like, you were dealing and not dealing and all, all this stuff that was, uh, you know, nefarious stuff, but you haven't had any run-ins with the law at all. No, no run-ins with the law. Okay. No, no trouble or nothing. I wasn't really, it was just, it wasn't like that big. I mean, it wasn't like I was, I don't know, I mean, I was a kid with some dime bags in my pocket all the time. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> it was like, to me, that wasn't nothing. That's just being a, you know, I don't know. I'm with you. You know what I So, yeah, she, that was that was it. She goes back to Sacramento. You go back to Yuma. Yep. And then... I don't even, uh, what else happened? I don't know. I just, in, in your mind, that's, I, I think then that's when I started doing drugs right after that. I get involved in, in cocaine and meth. Were you sad because she left? Like what was that part of, like what, what happened that no, she went I, to Sacramento and you came back here? Like how'd you guys, why'd you guys end up breaking up? I don't even really remember. I think we just, like, I think we just, it's been so long ago. I it think just, we just happened? Broke, we just, like, it just happened. It yeah, was just like, just okay. we were over it now. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 18, think, 19 shit. Yeah. The wind blows and you're like, I hate that girl now. I love that girl now. I can't be with her. I can't be without no, her. No, I, I, I actually love her to this day. I still like her. I remember her name. I remember everything about her. Yeah, and it wasn't too. It was in two thousand. Last time I talked to her, her dad was two thousand twenty. 
Oh, not 2020, 2000, 2000. Okay. Yeah, it was the last time I talked to her dad. So you head back to Yuma, and now you start getting into the drug scene a little bit. So where are you working? How are you getting right. money at this point? Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not working. I just I'm I'm selling. I've always sold. Okay. Um, I've learned a little bit since then, though. Now I know that I know uh, uh, I'm not. I don't know how to explain. I'm, I, I learned a little, like, like with that working with that one guy. I mean, being around the people that I was around, like I knew that not telling them that they got me for the whole, or they got me for an ounce and not the whole pound. I knew that that was wrong, and I started doing uh, better business. You know what I mean? I started trying to make a name for myself to what that wasn't that wasn't garbage that people could 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 trust. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're not going to, I learned things like you can't, if you want to be around people that have the money, you don't want to act like a thug. You don't want to, you don't want to be untrustworthy person because they won't trust you. They won't, they'll be scared of you. Yeah. Your dishonesty is not going to, yeah, they, they're already around enough dishonest people. Yeah. They, they need to keep some people around. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to want to be around you. So. So I don't know, just from then I just started, started, I was just dealing. I would deal to, to, to pay rent and I was just, I've always dealt. That's what I did. That was what I, who I was. That's what I did. Okay. Well, you started using also, cause I mean, in the past pot and you're selling pot and smoking pot, but that's different than like you, you said you went back to human, you started selling, you started doing cocaine and meth and different kind of stuff. Right, and I always, I always tried not to use, but it always ended up that I used. Sure. <laughs> but I always looked down on using. I didn't think that it was smart to be dealing and using at the same time. But then it would gradually spiral out of control, where I would, I would use just to try the product, or I would just this and that, and then it would end up. I'd do a little bit more. I'd do a little bit more. Oh, I gotta, I gotta make this run, so I gotta stay up tonight, so I'll do a little blast. You know what I mean? And but I was never really out of control with it. I never like, I never used the needle or I never, I mean, I have, well, I tried it once, but I've never, I never got into it like that. Okay. So. You got lucky. Um, Sounds lucky. Yeah. 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 So I do that for a while and then, uh, I get this chick, uh, pregnant. Uh, and me and her moved to Missouri to get away from the drug life. So where did you meet her? In Yuma. So she was a user. She was a dealer. She was somebody who wasn't even part of any of that, or like what was, she was her? Just a hot, she was just a hot chick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she was just a hot chick. Okay. And uh. Yeah, she didn't want no. She didn't want no drug dealer. She didn't want no one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she pretty much told me that when I was dealing, she was like, "I don't want someone that's dealing drugs. I want someone that's re- re- responsible." So I was like, "Chill, all right. I'm good with that." <laughs> so uh, we end up moving to Missouri, 
and getting a place and getting jobs and both working and have our little apartment, get a dog and doing good. And, and, uh, right before she had the baby, I left her. It's like a dirt bag. Was it, were you afraid of being a dad? Did you, was it the life calling you back? No, like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I met, I met some other, some other chick that I, I really had no feelings for. Uh, and I used that as, a, that as an excuse to, to, to leave her. You know, I mean, her, I mean, it wasn't like I just, I was just like, I'm done, you know? And so she said, you, are you sure? And I said, yeah. So she left. And then a month later, I'm trying to get her back. <laughs> it wasn't working. So she, you left her right before she had the kid, you said, or was it after? Yep. Right before, right before she had the kid. So and she, then when she had the kid, I tried to get her, tried yeah. to get her back after she had the kid. And she wasn't having it. She was not having it. Okay. Good for her. Okay. <laughs> yeah, especially the way my life turned out. I mean, but it, it, not even thinking about your life, it's like if somebody's going to, like, that's the lowest point for her. Like, she's feeling horrible about herself. She's, you know, fatter than she's ever been, feeling disgusting. And right. and you leave her for another girl. She's like, I, I can't trust him again. So, I mean, that's good. You got to understand that. Right. You know, she's a, she's a, yeah, she's the worst mistake of my life. Yeah. All right. So yeah, she, you leave her, you go with this other girl. How long did that last? A couple of days? Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> a week, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And then did you get back yeah. into dealing while you were there? Yeah. I started selling marijuana and stuff like that. And then, uh, I was just, I lost my job and started, went on the streets, I was on the streets and it was when I was on the streets, I got involved in, with crack cocaine. What year do you think this might be? Oh shoot, I have no idea. Uh, so she nine, just had the nine, kid. Um, uh, I would guess. 89. Okay. I was like, crack was an 80s thing. Middle to late 80s. Okay. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would guess 89. Okay. And so I'm running around the streets of St. Louis on crack. Uh, straight dirt bag. Again, that, that shit turns you into a dirt bag. I don't care who you are. It turns you into a dirt bag. Yeah, I have a I have a little crack story, not my own story, but I have a friend that owned a pawn shop in uh, Florida Lauderdale, and there was a family that they had a family business, a lawn care business, and the teenage son, that the middle son, I don't know, eight late teens, maybe early twenties, started doing crack, and next thing you know, the whole family was hooked, and they were coming in like they would drive around like they were looking for houses to do landscaping on, but they were really looking for garages that were open. In the that's, rich neighborhood, that's what I did. I went. That's exactly what I did. And they would come to the pawn shop. Garages. Yep. Fuck. All right. So tell me. Went to open. 
he went to open garages and stealing stuff out of open garages, tools or whatever, and then selling it for crack and then just doing crack. And then I'd do crack all night and or burglarize all night, and then do crack and then sleep all day. And I ended, I ended up getting caught and they caught me with some of the stolen merchandise. They didn't catch me for the bur- for the robberies or burglaries or whatever. They caught me for the, for the property. How'd you get caught? And, uh, and, um, I was in a house and we were getting ready to sell some. And I guess the person we were selling it to was talking with the cops. So the cops came over to buy it and they raided and they found the property in the house. Okay. And it was just, it wasn't that much property. It was, it was maybe a total of $400 worth of property. It was just, just miscellaneous garbage. Well, not garbage, but miscellaneous tools and stuff. Yeah. And so they, uh, I got busted and I got, I got convicted of three counts of possession of stolen property over 150. And this is your first adult crime that you've ever been arrested for, charged with, or whatever. Oh no, I got a criminal damage. I got a criminal damage. I, I had been arrested arrested a couple times, like for um, uh, possession of of marijuana. Um, it's like a joint or whatever. Uh, just little stupid things. Criminal damage. What's criminal? What do you mean criminal um, damage? Criminal damage. Uh, me and someone got into it, and uh, I ripped out the coil wires from his car, so he couldn't start his car. <laughs> they got me for criminal damage. Okay. So it wasn't your complete first run-in, but this is the biggest one. The other ones was nickel right. and dime shit. Right. Now you're dealing in stolen merchandise or possession. What what did you say? Possession of stolen merchandise? Right. Possession of stolen merchandise. Yeah. Possession of stolen merchandise. Three counts. Stolen property. Possession of stolen Three counts. And I got a year for it. Uh, First, I got got probation for it. Okay. I got a year on each one and probation. So I go back to Arizona. So hold on. Let's talk about probation. So probation is you basically, they, they have somebody that has to supervise you. You have to check in with them on a regular basis. They're probably making you piss in a cup. Unsupervised probation. Unsupervised. So, so it's basically nothing. Right. You just, we caught you doing this shit. Don't do it again. Don't go, get in trouble. Don't get in trouble because it's on your record now. Right. Okay. So you decided, fuck it, I'm going back to Arizona again, running back home. Right. Right. Okay. So I go back home, and then that's when I got, I got uh, my next, I got busted. I got busted. Well, this this girl comes up and she wants to do a, a girl wants wants us to. She's living with this guy. With their family, okay. With the guy's family, and the guy ripped her off. Supposedly, we're just going with this dude going on going on her word that this guy ripped her off. Okay. And she's trying to go to college in Flagstaff, and the guy ripped her off for her college money or whatever because he didn't want her to go. So she tells us. 
and she wants us to rob the house to to get get her college get, money to back. Steal some stuff to get her college money back. Correct. And this goes so, right. This goes right to the core of you, like going back to when you were a kid. When somebody's picking on somebody, you're like, "Fuck that! I'm gonna fix this." Yeah. But also, yeah. you know, she's a hot chick. You're kind of a kind of a guy who's no, on the, on the that, edge. I wasn't. No, it wasn't even. She was. She was. It wasn't even that she was hot. I was with somebody at the time. I was with a girl at the time. Um, I just. I don't know. I was just gonna help her. Okay. You know what I mean? That was fucked up. So I asked a friend of mine that I knew that does shit like that, that does burglaries and stuff like that. I said, "Hey, can you do this?" He's like, "Yeah, but I don't have. A, we need a vehicle." I said, "Well, you, can, I'll drive. I ain't going in, but I'll drive. You know what I mean?" So I drove drove them over there. They went in and they got the property. She had she had she had a way to get in. We didn't, they didn't have to break in. She lived there. They go in and they grab some stuff and they load it in the vehicle and they they leave and. uh she gets all the stuff and everything, and she left me with a uh, a stupid boom box and one of them cable boxes that sit on top of your TV. They go, and you'd like, there's a little plastic thing that goes across the top. Yep. Has all the little channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, cable bo- a cable box and a little, a little black and white TV. She left there because she didn't want them. She said they weren't worth nothing. You know what I mean? Right. And, but I was dealing at the time. So I got the stuff in my house and she leaves and the cops raid for me dealing dope. And they don't find any dope, but they find that stuff. And more stolen merchandise. Get me on that. More stolen merchandise. So they charged me with burglary, uh, trafficking and stolen property in the first degree. <laughs> well, no, they didn't. Uh, first off, they didn't find that stuff. They found they found one of the items. They found the cable box. The other two items, someone had came by and I just gave them to them because I didn't want them. You know, I was like, "Here, you you want this?" And they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Here, take it." I didn't sell it or nothing. I was here. Well. Anyway, they ended up getting me for the cable box and some weed residue that was in a little cigar box. And they had some girl saying that I had sold her 150 times. But they didn't have the drugs. They didn't have anything. They just had her word. Was it somebody that that you had sold to a lot? Yeah. Yeah. And it was over... uh, four month period or whatever it was, they said I, you know, and so they racked me up all these distribution charges on me. They didn't have the drugs. They didn't have anything. And so the cops say, well, if you work with us, blah, 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 we'll let you go. And I'm like, well, all right, you know, and though they let me go and I, instead of working with them, I took off. (laughs) I ran. So I ran back to St. Louis. So they were trying to get you to to work with them, meaning like you're obviously selling. If you sold to this girl a hundred times, you have a supplier. Like you tell us where you're getting your shit, and then we'll not we'll not worry about your little stupid ass cable box 
or your drug residue. Right. And you're like, okay, cool. So I gave him false information. Knowing all along so you weren't going to do information. it. Right. I yeah, gave him yeah. false information and knowing that they were going to find out it was false. So when they were out checking that out, I was on. I left. So that really pissed them off. Uh, okay. So I go back to Missouri, run around Missouri. I get pulled over. I get picked up in Missouri. And they extradite me from Missouri. First, they make me do my year in Missouri because I got busted down here in Arizona. So then they say, okay, we're going to make you do your year in prison there. So they made me do my year in prison in Missouri. And then when I got done with that, they extradited me to Arizona. So back up. You got caught in Missouri for something stupid, but they made you do the year that they didn't have you do the first time you got caught. And they give you the three charges, but probation. Right. So you had to do right. the time that you should have done for the the stolen merchandise. Right. And then they're like, right. okay, you're done with that. Oh, BT dub. Now you're going back to do some do some time in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. So when you, you thought, all right, my year's over and now I'm going to go do some other stuff. And they're like, no, no, no. By the way, you're going to Arizona or you knew the whole time when this ends, right. you're going there. They made me do the year and then they when I got done, they they Arizona was, came and picked me up and took me back to Arizona. Okay. So you're heading back to Yuma again. The, homecoming. Face the charges for all those drugs and, and the burglary, all the sales and the burglary and the receiving stolen property again and, or trafficking. They, they call it trafficking in stolen property. Traffic, so, trafficking in a stolen cable box. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, well, they ended up getting the girl with the TV and the, and the, and the boom box that I gave her. Ah, multiple counts. Cause they got three different things. They, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said that I gave it to her. So me giving it to her was trafficking and stolen property in the first degree. Okay. So they charged me everything. I end up, uh, uh, I got another girl. I got my girlfriend that I was with when all this happened pregnant. And she just had the baby while I was in, while I was in jail. How long were you in jail and when that, you came back to Arizona? Oh, I think I did a year in jail before I went to prison. All right. So distinction between jail and prison. Explain the difference, please. Jail is county jail. That's when you're just in jail. Prison is when you get sentenced and you go to a penitentiary. It's way different. Uh, jail is you're just in a regular year, like in jail, like you see on TV, like 60 days in and stuff like that. So jail would be if you get a sentence that's less than jail, a year? Getting, people aren't getting killed. People aren't getting killed all the time in jail. <laughs> okay. They are in prison. Okay. And so you go jail, back to Arizona, jail. and you got how much time when you came back to Arizona? Um, oh, shoot. I came, came back to Arizona, and they charged me with, I had 131 felonies. Jesus Christ. You went from yeah. a, a cable box with- to 131 felonies. Yeah, because they charged me with each of each of the each of the charges of distribution. Well, it was hanging over my head. The one police report said one hundred and one hundred plus 
distributions, council distributions. So that was each of the times that that girl said that you sold to her? Each of those was a separate time? Right. Okay. Right. But then they got me for, they ended up indicting me on, I think 11 felonies or something like that. One distribution for a a quarter gram that I had sold someone that they actually had the quarter gram because he he did a controlled buy. Um, And the cable box stuff and they found a gun. They got me for uh, misconduct with the weapon because I had a firearm. Because you shouldn't, and, you're not allowed to have a gun because you're on parole. You well, on- no, I, I was allowed to. I was allowed to have the gun. I, I bought it legally. It was in my name. Because, I mean, I just at that time the way they had the the form set up, the way they had the form when you go to buy the gun, where they way they had the form, it's like, have you been to prison? Could have you have been? Uh, in order to, to 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 not be allowed to buy the gun, I had to have been able to do more than a year in prison. And because my crime was a year, just a year, the way the wording on the application was, that's how I ended up beating that charge, though, because the application was more than a year, and it wasn't more than a year. The most I could be charged with was a year, even though it was a felony. But that's technicality. But anyways... But no, I had to because I was I had the gun with drugs. Ah, uh, okay. I had the weed, weed yep. and stuff. So it was misconduct with weapons. And then, um, so anyway, they they were telling me I was facing uh, three hundred plus years in prison, and the judge told me that if they could keep me alive long enough through the use of chronogenics, I'll be in the Star Trek Next Generation and all kinds of crazy shit. So how much did you end up getting sentenced that time? I got sentenced to 17 years. And that's in Arizona? Yep. Okay. Yep. But I took a, a plea agreement for 14 years. Anything above 14 years had to be uh I don't. I forget. There was wording of the plea agreement. It was like I had to be sent. I couldn't get no more than fourteen years from the plea that I took. Okay. But I ended up with seventeen. So I go to prison and I end up start learning the law and everything, and I fight it, and I end up getting out in three years. How? And how did you how did you get out in three years? I, right now we got fifteen minutes, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're at a point a point that it's gonna be it's gonna be long. That's fine. We can talk again, man. I, I don't. I, this is, doesn't okay. need to be done today. That's why I'm, I want to do this slow. I want well, to get the story. Okay. All right. All right. How did you go from seventeen to three? Because when they when the courts offer you a plea agreement 
and there's stipulations in the agreement of like it's called a cap, a cap of so many years. Okay. They can't sentence you to more than what they what their agreement was. And they, if I remember correctly, I got I was sentenced to 14 years, like I was supposed to be sentenced to. But I was sentenced to on top of the 14 years. I was sentenced to probation on top of the 14 years running consecutive. So after I got out of prison, after doing 14 years, then I had to do probation. So I argued with the courts that I don't have to do that probation because if I was to violate the probation, you couldn't send me to prison anyway, because that would be more than the 14 years. So in reality, by giving me the extra years of probation afterwards, you've exceeded what their agreement was. So they broke their own agreement basically. Right. So I said, now I want to withdraw from the plea altogether because you broke your agreement. So when you withdraw from a plea, you go back to the original state of the plea. You go back to the original before you even took a plea. So all the original charges are reinstated and you're like from square one. Back in Star Trek. Right. But by this time, by this time, I had learned a little bit about the law. I learned about jurisdiction and, and what elements are and what, what, what the actual act is of each crime. And, and I just, I learned a lot about the law when I, when I went to prison and cause that's what I did. I spent my time in the library and just learned uh, every day, every day, all day. That's all I did. And, uh, so I learned, so when I, when I went back, I was ready. I was ready to fight them on everything. You know, I even got my gun back. They had to give me my gun back because I was never, anyways. Because <laughs> you were lawfully allowed all, to have it. I was lawfully allowed to have it, right. So they couldn't take it. They tried to take it to get this one officer was wearing it, wearing my gun when the courts went and had to take it back from them. Okay. Uh, so, but anyway, I ended up getting out or getting back to court and I ended up taking a plea agreement for probation. So you I had done, you had done how many years? So you had done the three, 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 three years. I had done three years. And when they resentenced me to probation, then that was fine. I, that's, I wanted to get out of jail. I wanted to get out of prison. Sure. So I took the deal. Um, so you ended up having to plead guilty to what? I ended up pleading guilty to trafficking and stolen property. And distribution. How many counts Attempted of distribution? distribution? Attempted distribution. Okay. Yeah, one count. One count from 170 or whatever it was to one. Uh, yeah. God. Okay. But I mean, when you're de- when you're dealing when you're when you're doing stuff like that, I mean, everybody out there, I mean, you don't get caught your first time. You don't get caught your hundredth time. You know what I mean? Yeah. People don't go and sell a quarter bag of weed and get caught the first time. You're gonna have everybody. Everybody's gonna have them type of uh, the amount of times that they've done something. 
before that, that yeah, like, I mean, if you think about all the times that you did before you got caught, you, you went a long stretch right. without getting caught. Right. And I don't even think it was that many times. I think to be, to be realistic, I might've sold to her 15 times. But it was in her best interest to make it seem like a lot more because that way she could right. use they, you oh, to get out of whatever she was. They always exaggerate. They like she would say, "Oh, I went to him three times a day because I had a, I was in a, I was a, addicted and blah 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 blah." And all I ever bought was little amounts. When the truth was, she came to me maybe once a week or twice a week and bought larger amounts than she's telling them that she bought. Okay, so you do three years. Now you're out on probation, right? And you're in... I'm not on probation. In Arizona. I'm in Yuma. I'm okay. in Yuma. And, shoot. Um, I don't... trying to remember what, what I did. Uh, so, out of probation. Now, that's not a oh, just do what you I want thing. You, ha- you have to check in constantly. They're checking your piss. Like, you're having to show that you have yeah. a regular job. Like, you're being a citizen. Yeah. Yep, I'm on intensive probation. Okay. So I'm going to college. I'm going to college. I'm taking law courses. Because um, you got bit, you got bit doing, by the law bug while you were in there. Right, right. Yep. So I'm taking law courses. My probation officer is actually in one of my one of my classes or two of my classes, and she <laughs> had to withdraw from the classes because I was in there. Yeah. And so I end up. Uh, meeting this girl in NA and we end up doing some acid together. Were you, was you, were you court ordered to go into NA or AA or? Yeah. We were okay. court ordered. Okay. So we ended up getting high together and doing some acid together. And, uh, then, uh, we're bragging that, well, we had made a comment to somebody that, hey, we can't get caught for this because you can't test for it. You can't UA us for it, so there's no way you can test for it. There's no way to test for that particular drug? Is that what you're saying? Right. That's what my understanding was. That's what everybody's understanding even today is. Okay. <laughs> but not true. They can test for LSD with urine. And nobody thinks they can. Everybody says, oh, you got to do a hair hair sample or, or a spinal tap or whatever people say. But, uh, so we're bragging about it. So then, uh, they find out about it. The probation office finds out about it, gets her for use, gets her for a dirty UA for LSD. She was out on and probation then, also. Right. Okay. And then, um, they don't know who I am. She won't tell on me. They just know a guy named Richard that's on probation. And uh, I have some other acid, and my parents find it. Which, which set of parents, mom and, mom and stepdad or dad my, and my stepdad? No, my dad, my dad and my stepmom. Okay. And so they call my pro, call, talk to my probation officer and ask my probation officer if they'll get me help or if they'll just put me in rehab or something. And they promised that they wouldn't charge me, and they would put me in rehab if they gave him the acid. So they give him the acid. And I wasn't even living with my parents anymore. This is because they had 
they had got it when I was living there a week prior to that, but then I had moved out since then. So they called me back to the house. And when I go back to the house, the cops are waiting for me and they pretend like they go in there and do a search and find it when they already had it. And then they arrest me for being in possession of it at the house and charge me. So my parents get pissed off and uh, my dad knew the judge and everything. So my dad testifies that, hey, the probation department promised me this and this and that. And they still charged him and that's why we're here and blah, blah, blah. Uh, So the judge got mad at the probation officer, made her cry on the stand, called her a liar because she's saying she never told my dad that when she did. And uh, they end up dropping those charges and getting me for uh, use of LSD because I had, when they got me, they got me for a dirty UA too. And they ended up getting me for the dirty UA. And uh, sentenced me sentenced me to five years in prison. All right, people, I'm throwing a push pin in this bitch right there. Um, at this point, Richard and I talked about next steps. Um, and the next steps for me is we're going to do another two hours as soon as we can the next week. And depending on the story, we'll do another two hours after that. Um, he's also mentioned some of his people and his family may be interested in talking to me and just telling me their, um, the impact that his choices and his life has had on them. So I really, really hope you people are digging this. This is, this is why I do this. This is one of the things that I love the most is meeting somebody I never would have met and hearing about their life. Interesting life. You know, good choices, bad choices, whatever. These are his choices. And fuck, this is interesting stuff, man. It's compelling talking. And I really hope you guys are appreciating it. Um, share the show. I mentioned a whole bunch of stuff at the beginning, but the thing I forgot to mention is if you like the show, share the show. Social media, tell a friend. Uh, just shoot him an email. I'm like, hey, here's the address, sagofsterogers.com. Check this shit out. This guy's funny and interesting and good at his job. Or this guy sucks and he's a buffoon and listen to him make an idiot out of himself. Whatever the reason. Listeners are listeners, and and you know haters are haters are listeners also. So uh, share the show, appreciate it. Susu Studio, live long and prosper. Make better choices, get better results. And this is truly an example. Make better choices, get better results. See you in, uh, next week.
Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's what the good book states. But it's hard for me to be joyful when all I hear about are my mistakes. Well, I don't care what people say about me behind my back. 'Cause me and the man got it all figured out. Me and the man in black. Well, I got. Figured out, me and the man in black. Well, I got cash. 